Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. My name is Carrie. My wife and I are pastors here at the Movement Church. And man, we just want to say thanks for hanging out. If you're a guest today, we want to say welcome. Maybe you're searching for a church home. And we want to tell you the search is over. Man, you found a great church, not because we're perfect, but because the people around you are pretty awesome. And here's another thing. God is here and he can do some amazing things. In fact, he wants to do amazing things. One amazing thing happened just a few weekends ago. Megan and I had the privilege of officiating the wedding of Joseph and Rachel Shivati, and they are here. Can we give them a hand clap? There's a glow about them. After their amazing honeymoon, there is a glow about them, but they're a great couple, and uh, they are part of our worship team as well, and I think I pronounced your last name correct. Shivati. Shivati. If you do this, it's like my daughter Avery, she speaks Italian all the time, and she does this. When she doesn't do this, her, the accent's not good, so... That, that's the change maker right there. But uh, anyways, I digress. We're in a series called Summer Blast, and we're just kind of exploring some fundamental and fun things that God has for us. And today I want to share a couple thoughts. I actually believe they're very fundamental to uh, really unpacking what God has for us. We just finished a series called Wonder Life, and it was uh, our small groups. We call them connect groups. We're centered around it. The sermon series was centered around it. It was all about two questions that have been plaguing humanity since the dawn of mankind, and that is, who am I and why am I here? And what I found in the journey is even after that, there were still some pieces that weren't like still formulated for so many people. And I think that's because life is a little bit crazy. Can I get a a witness in here? Does anybody else have a crazy life sometimes? Okay, the rest of you are lying. But, uh, and uh, I just wanted to talk about a couple of things that I think really do make a difference in our lives. And uh, in fact, the title of my message today is Unique Rabbit. Unique Rabbit. Say Unique Rabbit. Unique rabbit. Awesome. Let me read a scripture to you, and we're going to dive into this. It's a long passage of scripture, so uh, if you're new to the Movement Church, you need to know that we, everything we do, uh, every sermon, even the songs we sing, decisions that we make are founded upon the truth of God's Word. We believe the Bible is God's Word for us today, not just a great book, not just some old stories, but really God's Word for you and for me today. And if you're here and you're new to faith or not sure where you stand, you have permission not to believe. But I just want to challenge you to be open today to what God might want to say to you and to me. And I want to start out with an amazingly encouraging passage of Scripture found in Genesis chapter 6. It's a long one, 22 verses today. Uh, But just read this along with me on the screen, not out loud, because that would be weird. So Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, it says this, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. This is what you read on Monday morning when you're ready to get jacked for the week. This is like, this is it. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I've created from the face of the land. Man and animals and creeping things, which could be a neighbor or an uncle, creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. It's heavy. We're going somewhere. Hang with me. Verse 8. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. 
He was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons. These are great names, Sham, Ham, and Jepheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt For all flesh had corrupted their way on earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh. Again, great start to a sermon, Summer Blast. For the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Verse 14, make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark. Some of you just go, oh, I've seen Evan Almighty. I know this part. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. And he goes into the length and the height and the width and etc. etc. And there's a door and a lower and a second and a third. This is like a big boat. Verse 17. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you and you shall come into the ark. You your sons, your wife, and your wives with your sons' wives with you. Verse 22, Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. Let's pray. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes. God, we thank you just for the scripture that we have and even how we can pull things from kind of a dark passage of scripture that are truths for us today. So God, all of us in this room are in different seasons of the journey, facing different things, some good, some bad, some indifferent. But I just, my prayer today is that all of us in this room would just be open to the possibilities, the potential of what you want to do in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen Amen just means I agree. So Unique Rabbit is the name of my, my sermon today, and there's a unique reason for that. Um, I don't know how many of you in this room, just a show of hands, are a dad. Would you, if you're a dad in this room, raise your hand. Okay, I feel like there's a, a responsibility on fathers that we need to continue on an American pastime of cheesy dad jokes, and we can't let that die out. Y'all know what I'm talking about? My dad was the chief of it. Get ready, they're coming, so just get ready to laugh. He would say things all the time like, you can pick your friends, and you can pick your nose, but you can't pick your friend's nose, Right? Y'all ever hear that one? No? He would say things like, if your nose is on strike, would you pick it? That's a good one, right? When you leave our house, he would say things, hey, come back when you can't stay so long, and just laugh at himself all the time. And one joke he would tell, so get ready, just cue, get ready, cue up the laughter, just because it's going to be painful. One joke he would tell all the time is, do you know how you catch a unique rabbit? And of course I would say, no, dad, how do you catch a unique rabbit? He'd say, unique up on it. It's good. Woo! You need to say, you know how you catch a tame rabbit? I say, no, Dad. How do you catch a tame rabbit? You say it the very tame way. <laughs> if only we had like a rim shot. Boom. And so today I want to talk about what is unique to only you. What is unique to only you? I believe that God's actually commissioned each of us with building a proverbial ark. That each of us has this, this ark that God wants us to build. And I think we can actually steal a page from Noah to discover what is unique only to me. In other words, what are the things that only I can do? The series we just finished was talking about 
being excited about what you love and care about and the passions that God has created in us or birthed in us. And again, if you are, are in a journey where you're not sure on faith, you have permission not to believe. But I, at the fundamental core of who I am, believe that there is something strategically, specifically unique to each and every one of you. And I believe if you're here today and you say, I'm a Christ follower, the prerogative is on us to pursue that. And I actually think there are three things that are unique to each of us in this room. And I want to unpack that today, pulling from the scripture that we just read, if that's cool with you. If it's not, this is going to be a long sermon. And he, uh, we start out, we find out Noah, he's in the beginning of the scripture, in verse 5 it says this, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I've created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. It's a pretty powerful moment. And, and it really, you have to stop and think about what was so horrible in that season. Now again, I don't know what you believe, but I believe that God created the earth and everything in it. And he supersedes time. So we are stuck within the confines of time, but God is not. And so he can see all of mankind in an instant. Again, you have permission not to believe. But what was it about that moment in history that was so horrible? I mean, this was a, a bad time. This is a a pretty gnarly scenario for God to be grieved that he created man, whom he definitely loves. But I love this next passage of scripture. Enter the chief character of this story. Verse 8, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. I love how the scripture says Noah found favor. It doesn't say Noah earned favor. It doesn't say Noah was good enough. It doesn't say Noah loved God enough. It doesn't say Noah was uh, on the dream team as a greeter and the crew. Uh, That's a little inside joke for church folk. Uh, You know, it doesn't say that he got up every morning and read for an hour and a half and then sang songs with an air guitar out of pure devotion. It's silly, I know, but sometimes I think we equate... God's love in our life to things that we do or do not do. And yet Noah found favor. And some of you need to know that today. That God loves you infinitely above all that you can imagine. And sometimes we say things like, but you don't know what I'm walking through. You don't know the darkest thoughts that I have when no one's around. You don't know the decisions I've made. If you did, you wouldn't say that God loves me. And there's a passage of scripture just for you in Romans 5.20. This is the amplified version. So this is like the, the female friendly. They just add more words to it. And so this is what it says. But where sin increased and abounded, grace, God's unmerited favor, has surpassed it and increased the more. And I love this word. I don't even know if it's real. And superabounded, Which means that even in the darkest season of your life, When you've made the worst decisions you've ever made, God says, now I love you even more than before. It's super abounded. Right? How cool is that? Noah found favor in the eyes of God. God's looking for the best in you, not the worst. Sometimes we have that that twist twisted. We, We think God's just waiting for us to mess up. 
But that's not God's perspective of you. So what is this defining quality in Noah? What is it about Noah that helped him find favor? The next verse, it says, kind of gives us a little, uh, you know, pulls back the curtains, if you will, to Noah's life. It says, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Now, these are just adjectives describing Noah, but this isn't what it was that helped Noah find favor in the eyes of God. It says it right here. This last little sentence says, Noah walked with God. Noah walked with God. What does that mean? That means that Noah made God or wove God into the plot line of the movie of his life. So God became the chief character. You see, I, I, I think sometimes that we allow God to have a cameo appearance in the plot line of our life as opposed to becoming the chief character. You ever been watching a movie and then all of a sudden some random actor that you love has a cameo appearance like, oh, that's hysterical, check that out. And then he or she is gone. I think sometimes we do that with God. He makes a cameo appearance for about 45 minutes on Sunday morning. And then I'm going to get back into the rest of my week. Or maybe I made it to a connect group and then I'm going to kind of get back. But Noah walked with God. Another way to look at this is that Noah was uninfected by the environment that he lived in. So that doesn't mean that he was perfect. It doesn't mean that Noah never messed up. And in fact, it doesn't even say if he uh, was an angry man or a quiet man. It just said he walked with God. It's just saying that whatever Noah did, he chose to be defined by God's role in his life rather than the culture that he lived in. And listen, sin and the culture that we live in is very enticing and infectious. Lust is infectious. Greed is infectious. Have you ever or ever heard anyone say, oh, I've got enough money? You get a little more money in your paycheck, and what do you do? You buy a larger home. And then now what do you need to do? Make more money. And then you buy a nicer car because your Velari station wagon broke down. Nobody? Nobody? No? Yeah, okay. Google it. You buy a nicer car, and what do I have to do? I have to make more money to pay for my car. Greed is infectious. Are you tracking with me? I'm not saying you shouldn't buy a nice home or have a nice car, but it's infectious. Drama, gossip is infectious, isn't it? We love to hear other people's garbage. We do. I mean, that's why reality TV is what it is. We like to see it. We like to hear and to know about it. For whatever reason, it is infectious. I'm not advocating. I'm just saying sin is infectious. And what the scripture is saying is that Noah walked with God. It doesn't say he was perfect. No one was perfect in that age, in that day. God wanted to destroy the earth, but there was something about Noah that was different. And I think one of the chief things is that Noah was a thermostat of who God is. And I think that's a question that's worth us worth asking ourselves is are we a Christ-centered thermostat or are we a cultural thermometer? In other words, in the environment that we go in, do we change the climate? Do we adjust the way things are spoken and what is happening in the relationships with people? Do we bring hope and joy into an environment or are we merely a reflection of the culture that we live in? Dictating, oh, here's what is happening and my life is somewhat reflective of that. And I think that's the challenge, but I think that's the difference with, with Noah is that he walked with God. God played a central theme in the plot line of Noah's life. And I think some of us struggle with this idea because we're not really sure how to weave God into the plot line of our life. Maybe because we have this standard that is either unattainable or unrealistic of what it actually looks like to have God as a part of my life. But can I just tell you, 
as a senior pastor of this church, as a person who's committed to seeing God do something amazing in the lives of people, do you know what my greatest prayer is? My greatest prayer for you, the person sitting in the seat, whether the movement church is your home or not, if if I could just pray one thing for you and ask one thing of you, it would be that you would start each day with a scripture and a prayer of surrender. I think that's exactly what it means to walk with God. I don't think it means you have to read a certain number of verses. I just think to start a day off by saying, I'm going to read some of the Bible because the Bible is God's nature being conveyed to me on a regular, real basis. And then to pray a prayer of surrender is simply to say, God, today, I give you my life. It's to say, I don't don't have what it takes to be the husband that Megan needs. I need you. I don't... I'm lacking some major things when it comes to raising my two daughters, Brooklyn and Avery. And while you gave those girls to to me and to Megan to be parents to, I'm not going to be able to do this well without you. You know what? I don't know if I want to keep going to school. God, I'm I'm over college. I'm trying to pursue this. But today, would you help me to be the greatest student that I can be? I think that is a clear depiction of what it means to walk with God, and I believe that is the number one thing that is unique to you. We like to use the imagery of holding something in your hands because God has given you a few things in your life to steward, to manage, to take care of, if you will, and I think the number one thing that is unique to you is your walk with God. And you have to build a relationship with Him. You cannot lean on the faith of a pastor. You cannot lean on the knowledge of those that have gone before you. You can gain insight, but understanding is a different deal. You can't experience grace because someone else says there's grace. That's a gift from God. And if you and I aren't doing what's only unique to me, then that that there is the, 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 the priority number one. And I think if we'll start there, everything else falls into place because it's when we draw close to God, like Jeremy said today, he draws close to us and he says, hey, wait a minute, you don't need to speak to your wife that way. You need to change the way you're talking. Oh, no, no, I know this is challenging, but forgiveness is the right answer because without that, life is going to be miserable. Wait, hold on a minute. Listen, let's do the right things. Let's pursue what God has for me. Are you tracking with me today? So how is your walk? With the Lord. How's your walk with the Lord? If you're to take the pulse of your relationship with God, what would it look like? Not what would somebody else that you know, a friend, a spouse, somebody in church, not what would they say, but how is your walk with the Lord? If you were to do nothing else for the rest of your life but focus in there, everything else will fall into place. How's your walk with the Lord? I think the second thing that's unique to us is identified in the scripture. The Bible goes on to say Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God and Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Jephthah. Again, amazing names, right? Everyone wants to be named Ham, correct? Right. His three sons, I think that's the second thing that's unique to you and me, and it's my family. Your family. Your walk with God and your family. Now, everybody in this room might have different family dynamics. Perhaps you're a single adult here, and maybe your family is is in a different part of the country, or maybe you just walked through a divorce, or maybe you're a teenager. It doesn't matter. Family doesn't have to be blood-related. 
It doesn't have to be blood-related. In fact, some of the greatest family in my life are people that were not born into the same family that I live in. Are you tracking with me today? One of the craziest things experiencing was when I went to my father's funeral a little over a year ago, and there was about 550 people in this, packed into this little sanctuary, and everybody's sharing what they loved about my dad, and it was an amazing time celebrating his life and his faithfulness to God, and my sister got up there to share just a couple thoughts, and she said, I just want to say to the adopted sons and daughters, he loved you too, and you felt the whole room take a deep breath and begin to cry. Because my dad devoted his life to welcoming people into the family. So I don't know what your family heritage is specifically. But it doesn't have to be blood related. The people in your life, it's like an arc, if you will. They're unique to you. No one is more qualified to be her husband than you. No one's more qualified to be their parent than you. No one is more qualified to be their son or daughter than you. Listen, I have two girls, Brooklyn and Avery, and nobody. I might tragically die in an accident today, and there might be some other joker who comes on the scene in about 15 to 20 years. He will not be as handsome, charming, and extremely awesome to be around. That's right, Megan. That is true. And he might provide a roof over their head. He might make more money than I do. But it doesn't matter. There is nobody in this world that is more qualified to be their father than me. Who's the family in your world? Don't give them your sloppy leftovers. You know when you go to a restaurant and you have a great meal and you're like, oh, I can't eat it. I'm stuffed. I'm going to take this home. Put it in that little styrofoam container and get all kinds of you know, whatever chemicals are in that, and you take it home and <laughs> put it in your refrigerator. It sits there for like at least four days, at least. And you got to sprinkle some water on it, put a towel over it, whatever your trick is, and you throw it in a microwave, <laughs> 35 seconds, beep. It's just never quite as good, is it? Sometimes that's exactly what we give our family. I work nine to five, and I come home exhausted. I'm like, bring me a beer, baby. <laughs> I was told not to do this because it's awkward, so I'm going to do it twice, maybe three times. <laughs> Four. And, and we give our family the second best. Our work. Guys, somebody else will work where you work. Eventually, you will either quit or be fired. The company will sell, whatever it is. You'll move to different states. You'll find a new occupation. And somebody else will do that. And yet they got the best of you and not your family. Are you saying don't work, Pastor Kerry? No, that's ridiculous. <laughs> but come home excited. And give your, your kids, your wife. Ladies, don't, don't give your kids everything and then you, you know, touch your husband's shoulder at 11 p.m. as you're going to sleep. Are y'all tracking with me? Got awkward for a minute, but... Well, I'm not married, okay? Who's, who's a family? You know the greatest definition I think of family I could think of is, it's not very eloquent, but it's who has permission to adjust the dials of the thermostat of your life? To say, hey, hey, stop that. Don't be a knucklehead. You have more potential in you than this. Stop, stop acting that way. You're better than that. 
They're the ones that, that when, when you get the raise, you want to call them. When you, get, when you close on your home, you, you, we got it, we bought a home. When you go through the devastating loss, you call them and they cry with you. That's a family. They may, that, those people may not even be blood-related to you, but that's the family, and they're unique only to you. You, specifically. And we have a responsibility to be the best that we can possibly be for that family. Are you tracking with me today? So I wrote down some questions that I think are worth asking as we're exploring this idea. Just some practical. I'll put them on the screen, too, so you can write these down, but... One question to ask is, in relationship to my family, am I making more deposits than withdrawals? In other words, am I putting enough love in, enough time, enough grace, enough hope? Are y'all tracking with me today? Yeah. Or am I making more withdrawals? So what, what happens when you make more withdrawals than you do deposits? You ever, you ever gotten that email? Overdraft. Yeah, overdraft. Somebody said that way too quickly. <laughs> I think it's even like in red writing. I mean, I've never seen it, but I've heard. It's like your name, and like it's posted on all social media outlets. You have overdrafted, right? And yet we do that sometimes in life. We don't make enough deposits. We just keep taking withdrawals. Are you tracking with me? Yeah. A great question to ask is, what am I depositing? Galatians 6 um, unpacks some great things. They're known as the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness. I don't know what goodness is, but it sounds awesome. Gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Some of you are upset because I said it out of order. (laughs) Those are great things to make deposits. Are you coming home whining, complaining all the time? Are you depositing? You know, it was a rough day, but I know God's got better things for us tomorrow. Are y'all tracking with me today? Yeah. I hope this makes sense. I'm going way too long. Another question to ask is this. Is this a distraction or a benefit? When it comes to my family, is this a distraction? So if you're here and you're a parent and you have kids, we live in a society where if you have a four-year-old, they need to be playing lacrosse, water polo, badminton, soccer, basketball, and football, and MMA, martial art, fighting yeah. on Tuesday, Wednesday, <laughs> curling and all the other obscure Olympic sports. Are you tracking with me? In our afternoon after school is spent homework than driving to 78 practices for your three-year-old who's going to get a fake trophy. <laughs> they may have a six-pack, but settle down. Are you tracking with me? Am I saying you should not have your children in sports? No, but maybe not 19. Are you, do you actually have time to sit down with your family and talk about the things that God wants to do in your life? Is it like this stop in and let's grab some food and then we're running out again? I mean, what is it? Are you tracking with me today? Is this a benefit or a distraction? Is it a benefit? These are hobbies too. Is it a benefit or distraction. Here's another good question to ask. It's a, you can ask this for almost anything. It says this, considering the circumstances, is this the wisest decision for us or me right now? Considering what I'm walking through, we're trying to get out of debt financially, is it the wisest thing for me to swipe my credit card at Nordstrom for another pair of shoes? 
Well, Pastor Kerry, they bring the bag around the counter to me. <laughs> That's my favorite part of Nordstrom. I just wait. I'm like, yes, I'll wait right here. Two more steps. Thank you. Are you tracking with me? Yeah, yeah. Considering the circumstances, this is the wisest decision for me or us right now. And last question. This kind of is the segue right into the third thing that's unique to you and to me. The last question is this. Am I or are we aiming at God's target for our lives? Am I or are we aiming at God's target for our lives? I believe that every decision we make should be filtered through the lens of who has God called us to become or me to become. I think when we are missing that, we, are, we can so easily get off target. Let me give you kind of an example. So first of all, the first thing that's unique to me is my walk with God. The second thing that's unique to me is my family. The third thing that's unique to me is my calling. Who has God called me to become? And if I miss this, this is the thing where, this is where things get out of focus or skewed or disproportionate to what God had originally intended for me. Let me just kind of paint with a broad stroke an idea from the story of Noah. So God says, hey, I'm going to destroy the earth and I need you to build an ark. Nobody knew what an ark was, by the way. It had not rained at that point in time, if you believe what the scripture says. If you don't, permission not to believe. So he, he's like, hey, build an ark. And guess who Noah had help him build this ark? The three greatest named boys in all of mankind, Sham, Ham, and Jepheth. Do you know how long it took them to build the ark? Between 50 to 75 years. Most of you in this room haven't even lived 75 years, let alone stayed focused on a single task that God has given you. Are you tracking with me? And I bet, I've, I've, I, you know, it doesn't say this in Scripture, but I feel I can take liberty to say that every Monday, Sham, Ham, and Jepheth were stoked to get up and build a boat again. <laughs> Dad, now we're homeschooled, nobody talks to us, and we're an outcast because my crazy dad said we got to build something that's big because a flood is coming. Are y'all tracking with me? Settle down. I was homeschooled my whole life. I'm not angry at homeschoolers. Are y'all right? Homeschool high five. That's it right there. You're welcome. I feel like it's safe to say at some point in time, they were like, Dad, are you serious? Again? And I know Noah's awesome, and you know the story, whether you've been in church your whole life or not, you've heard of the story of Noah. I feel like there were a few Mondays where he was like, eh. You're going to kill them anyways. Can we build a smaller boat? Do we need snakes? Or sloths? You're tracking with me? But there's something about him that was different, and I think it was just simply the filter of, wait, this is who God has called me to become. What's interesting about this, the passage of Scripture is that God said, Noah, make for yourself an ark. He didn't say, contract this out to somebody else. He didn't say, go into the city and rally the people. He said, you, I've called you to build an ark. And Noah had this determination. You can't spend 50 to 75 years on a task like that if you aren't running it through the filter of no weight, God's called me to do this. 
what is that for you? If you don't know the fullness of God's calling, it's okay. You don't have to. Nobody really does. But if you don't even have an inkling, I have just a thought today, right after the service, across the hall in the party room with lunch, we'll help you find that out. It's called the Welcome to Church Party. Not the fullness, but we'll get you on the right track. It's kind of what we do as a church. I know it's weird. Helping people discover purpose and destiny. (laughs) But can I also unpack some things that are found in Scripture for us today? I mean, the, the Bible actually talks about some of what that calling can be, what that proverbial art can be. Look at what James 1.27 says. It says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God is this. So what is it saying? It's saying that, hey, if you're a follower of Christ, let me tell you what it looks like. Crazy, right? And look at what he says here. To visit the orphans and the widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. That, that word unstained doesn't mean perfect. It just means that I'm not di- dictated by culture. But it's saying to take care of the abandoned and the forgotten. I feel like we can do that. Isaiah 61 says this, one of my favorite passages of Scripture. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. And that just means that God is with me and He's called me to bring good news to the poor. And that could be poor in spirit. It's may, it is talking about the poor, the physical poor, but it's also talking about people who are just feeling completely empty and without. It says, He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. You know what that means? It's just saying, wait, there's hope. No matter what you've walked through, no matter where you're at, it doesn't have to stay like this. Have you ever felt like you were bound up in shackles before? Like life has just completely got you captivated by whatever it throws at you and there's nothing you can do? You're kind of just walking through life like this and then somebody came and said, but wait, there's an answer. That's what we do as a church and that's what you can do. That's part of your calling. It says to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and a day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. So people who are grieving and are walking through pain, we get to be comfort to them. To grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. It's saying, hey, let me help you find joy. The garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. To come alongside people who are struggling and say, hey, we're in this with you. I love this. That they may be called oaks of righteousness. The word picture here is firm, planted, non-wavering, withstanding the storms of life. The planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. There's another passage of scripture that begins to unpack part of what our calling is. Jesus said it. I feel like that kind of makes it important. Mark 16, 15, you may have heard this before. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. I think sometimes this is the part we want to subcontract out. Well, can't Pastor Kerry do that? But it doesn't say, I think, let me make sure, only senior pastors or their spouses or 
okay, Jeremy's in here. No, it, it says that it's just a blanket statement to Christ followers. Yeah. Go in all the world and proclaim the gospel. Yeah. So crazy that God chooses to use people like you and me to bring hope. <laughs> like nobody is more equipped to be a better friend to your friend than you. <laughs> you just think you hate your job, but God brought you there because there's people in the office that need to know the hope that you have. And that's unique to you. I don't work with your coworker. You do. Well, I don't, I don't, how do I, how, what do I say? Well, tell them your story. What were you before Jesus? What was your life like? What hope have you experienced? Everybody needs the story of hope. Everybody. Everybody needs it. And part of the ark, it's unique to you, is that you get the opportunity to share that. I know it feels overwhelming, but we overcomplicate it too many times. Now, I promise you, we'll, every time we get, we'll take the opportunity to do that. So one of the greatest things you can do is invite your friends to church. In fact, you should never come alone because we're dealers in hope. That's what we do. That's what we sell is hope. You ever been through a dark season? What do you need? Hope. You ever felt empty or like just vacant on the inside? You need hope. So bring people with you. Tell people about the hope of who Jesus is. It's unique to you. Your walk with God, your family, and your calling. I love how God gave the details of how Noah was to make the ark. He said, make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you're to build it. And he goes into the specifications. It's about a football field and a half of a football field long and 45 feet tall and 75 feet wide. Just ma- Basically, it wasn't a boat. It was a floating box. Yeah. But what's interesting about this is there's no sails. There's definitely no engine. There's not even a rudder or a steering wheel or a helm. It's as if says God, God tells Noah, hey, build this ark, but you're going to still need me to lead the way. So when you don't know what to say to your coworker, I'll help you know what to say. And when you don't know how to make it through the storm, I'm going to bring you some people that are going to help you make it through the storm. It's crazy. And when you feel like giving up, don't give up. Because I'm not done yet. I think that's why Paul said in the New Testament, do not grow weary in doing well. For in due season you will reap the harvest, what, if you do not give up. Have you ever felt like giving up? I have. You know what helped me make it through? My walk with God and my family. Are you tracking with me today? What is unique only to you? He goes on in the passage in verse 17, and this is like intense. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, and which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. Dang, Gina. I mean, my goodness. That is intense. And it sounds like he's saying, I need you to build an ark because I'm done with people. 
I'm over it. I'm going to destroy this. But in verse 18, he comes right back and he says, But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, your family, your wife, your sons, and their wives. So he's not saying, I want you to build an ark because I'm done with people. He's saying, I want you to build an ark because there's going to be hope. I need you to build an ark because there's always hope for tomorrow. I need you to build an ark because there's something that I need you to do to help people discover hope. And that's the great thing about your calling that is unique to you is it always brings hope. But if you don't do this, can you imagine what would have happened if Noah had been like, ah, I think I'm out. What would the story be like? Where would we be today? It's amazing that the simple steps of obedience on a daily basis for a few years actually brought hope to humanity. I love verse 22. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. What is unique only to you? What is unique only to you? The thing that's in your hand, are you, are you stewarding it well? That's a good church word. Are you managing it well? Pastor Carrie, I've got a lot of things I look back and I could have been a much better father. Well, are you still a father? If so, start today. Be a good one. Well, my kids have moved out of the house. Well, that's okay. There's a lot of teenagers and kids around this church that need somebody to be a good dad. My life is marked because great men that said, I believe in you. Are y'all tracking with me? What's unique only to you? Let's live a life marked by that. Bringing hope to the people in our world. My walk with God, my family, and my calling. How many of you would say that, man, you know what, I can do some reprioritizing. I can make some adjustments because there's some areas that I've been slacking. I haven't been here and I should have been there and I I didn't do. Man, I know I can kind of beef up my walk with the Lord and make some adjustments. How many of you would say, you know what, I've got some adjusting to do. Would you just raise your hands for me? Awesome. Hands all over the room. Let me just pray for us right now. God, I thank you that you have created us with such a great opportunity before us. God, the, the truth is that so many times it's difficult to Stay the course. God, it's difficult to not bring distractions in at times. And so, God, I just pray that you'd help us to remember what is unique only to me. To make sure that I'm doing the best I can with my walk with you, with my family, and my calling. Thinking through the filter of who have you called me to become. God, all of us need some help in the area. None of us have got it down. None of us have figured it out. But God, we thank you that your grace is sufficient enough to give us a chance to keep on working on it. So God, we thank you for what you're doing in this place. And we continue to open our lives to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, let me take just two minutes to talk to some of you who are here that may be wavering in your faith. Or may not be sure where you stand. Maybe in a walk with God. 
Maybe you even say, man, I, I, I try to pray and I, I try to talk to God or I, I come to church and I just feel so separated. I feel like there's always this massive gap between me and God. And you say things about having a great walk with God. It's unique only to me. But man, I feel such a challenge in that area. And I would tell you the Bible talks about that gap. It's called a sin gap. That all of us have sin in our life. You do, I do, it's in everybody. And then there's grave consequences for this sin. But the Bible offers a radical solution. Jesus. Who lived a sinless life on this earth and died a sinner's death. He paid the consequence and the ransom for your sin and mine. Closing the gap. And creating an opportunity for a relationship with God. And here's the great thing about it. It's free. It's not about church membership. It's not about having the right heritage. And here's even the the better part. (laughs) You cannot get rid of your past enough to receive this gift. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to eradicate all the poor choices that you've made. All you have to do is simply say yes to Jesus. To say, you know what? I'm going to give you this life. And in just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. No embarrassment to you. You don't have to get out of your seat. I'm just going to pray a prayer. My challenge is that right where you're at, in your heart, that you just repeat this prayer after me and make it your own. And I believe God will do something radically new in your life. So if you're here today and you've never made that decision, or if you're here today and you've been running from God and today's the day to come back, then I want to challenge you to pray this prayer with me. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes one more time? If that's you, you want to make that decision today, or you're saying, I want to come back. I need to get my life right again. In your own heart, would you just repeat this prayer after me to say, God, I know you're real and that you love me, that you've given me purpose. God, I've got sin in my life. Would you forgive me of my sins? Just make this statement your own right now. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, We are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.